Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's Thursday. It's Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu, being joined in the studio by uh, my buddy, special guest co-host for the day, sports director at KHON2 and host of the upcoming season of Cover 2. It's right around the corner. Rob DeMello is in the house. Robbie D, what's up, man? What's up, brother? Uh, I don't mean to be bringing up all of these uh, responsibilities that are just, (laughs) you know, right in front of you in the very near future, uh, because I do want to take some time uh, to allow you to bask a little bit more in what was a much-needed, very recent little vacation for you and the fam. Uh, It sounds like and looked like, based on some of your Instagram posts and stuff, uh, that it was a great time. You went up to Anaheim. We talked about it on the show. uh, And you bucket listed that thing, man. I mean, you spent a bunch of days there. You did the Disneyland thing through and through. But you went to the Angels game, your squad, you're wearing an Angels hat right now as we speak, a little off kilter as if you're you're a left-handed pitcher or something (laughs) like that. Uh, But you saw Shohei in what was feared to be at the time his last home game potentially as a member of the Angels franchise. You saw him, Homer, laser beam line drive over the center field wall. Give us the goods, man. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Uh, Went to the game with a bunch of friends, uh, with my wife, my youngest son, and in his first at bat, he went up there and he just smoked one to center, and it was absolutely awesome. And and what makes it even better is the Angels won the game. I had never seen the Angels win a game in person. Is that right? Every Angels game I had ever <laughs> gone to. So so we always jo- joke about it because I've never seen Trout play. Right? Every yeah, time yeah. that I go, he's either given a day off or he's on the IL or he got hurt the day before and is given like precautionary rest. And uh, and so this year he was on the IL. And- Do you think in some of those cases, like uh, they had like either management or somebody yeah, go up yeah. to him to like, hey, uh, Trouty, um, the Demelos are here, man. Yeah. <laughs> No need to put the uniform on. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like, to be honest. Uh, and, and so uh, so I've never seen Trout play, but then another caveat to that is I've never seen them win. And this is going back to like That's wild. 2008 or whatever. The How first many games total are we talking about? I, I think this is like the eighth or ninth wow. game. Wow. That that's a, that's to, a pretty right? big sample size there. Yeah, and, uh, and they had never won a game. And so I, got, I finally got to see them win. I got to see Shohei hit a homer. And uh, and it was awesome because it was throwback weekend. And you know how I feel about throwback uniforms and retro uniforms. And so um, all of the like the nachos, you could buy the helmet nachos, came in the throwback helmet. Oh, wow. Like the big oversized plastic throwback helmet. And so I was stoked about that. I got to t- take that home. I have it up on my shelf at work. So it was it was awesome. And then, yeah, it was like uh, five days of Disneyland after that. My son Nico is turnt level 3,000 the entire time. <laughs> No naps. He's four years old. We show up at 10 a.m. and go home at like 11 p.m. And for every second of it, he made every penny spent worth it because he lived it up. And and, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, What is or what was maybe this time around? I'm not sure if you were limited uh, because of the kids to like which rides or attractions you could experience. But uh, what was the best attraction. What's the best ride at Disneyland right now? Well, the best ride is uh, the Incredicoaster at the California Dis- uh, Adventure Park. Uh, Nico couldn't ride that, though. Um, so uh, my wife and I did the ride and, and had someone watch him. And um, uh, But he loved – and I'm 
blown away by. He loves Space Mountain. Like he wanted Did to he? ride Space Mountain. He's tall enough. Forty Space inches. Space Mountain is no joke. Exactly. And I was trying to explain to him how dark it is in there and how fast. And and he wanted to do it. And so I figured like, well, so you both were tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Couldn't resist. Yes, sorry. Nice. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and so he did it, and uh, I was the whole time like it's dark in there, and so the whole time I was afraid that he's crying, and so I'm you know kind of yelling like yeah Nico way to go way to go, and so we finally come out where it's lit, and he was stoked over the moon, and let's do it again, let's do it again, and so we did it a couple of times on the trip, and uh, yeah, I think that was his favorite, and then uh, Cars Land is pretty cool. You ever been? I have not been to Cars Land. No. Okay, dude, it's cool. It's like you're in the movie. Yeah, like, it's they, been a minute. It's really well done. It's and been a so, minute since I've done, done the Disneyland thing. You so do it, man. I know. I'm like, I'm like, still, I'm thinking like, oh, is uh, uh, did you go on Star Tours or yeah. how about Captain EO? How was Captain EO? Do you remember Captain EO? I don't. So I never went to Disneyland. Does that as a does kid. that ring a bell at all? Do no, you even know what zero. Captain EO is? No. Okay, so this is dating me for sure. Um, but I did when I was a little kid. The first time I went to Disneyland was like I don't know, 1987 or something like that and they had an attraction called captain eo it sounds really weird now when you think about it but it was sort of like it, it preceded star tours you know the the sort of 3d motion kind okay. of coaster uh type of experience uh and the star of it was basically like a short film in 3d that you experienced the star of the film was michael jackson Oh no way! That's right. Yeah, he was. He played like the leader of some I don't know ragtag space traveling crew, and they had to like. It was really weird. They had to like deliver something to some witch or something like that, and uh, obviously they broke out in song several times uh, throughout the that's movie. Awesome. But yeah, so that's like my memory of Disneyland. My first one is Captain EO with Michael Jackson. That's uh, that's going way back. Buddy. Yeah, you need to go. You you need to yeah. check it out, man. It's a lot of fun. That's good it, to hear that Space Mountain's still uh, still yeah. going strong. Yeah, because the thing about Disneyland, man, you you walk in and it just feels like you're in a whole nother like planet, just because people act differently. Everyone's happy to be there. <laughs> like it's clean. at least in the morning, everyone's happy yeah. in the morning. Yeah, and and maybe I'm naive to it where I'm just so happy to be there that I don't notice. <laughs> you love you right? love it, yeah. Uh, it's just a lot of fun, man. Like no, it's, and it's the perfect break away from reality a little bit. Yeah, no, because like my dad, I, I went um, with him obviously the first time, and uh, and he pointed out to me, and he would talk about this from time to time. He said, "Oh, when you go in the morning at Disneyland, it is in fact the happiest place on earth. Families and kids, and the kids are holding these big cotton candies and holding these big you know munchies and chicken legs and hot dogs and all this stuff, and they're going." on all these rides he goes and then the afternoon hits and after the sugar rushes died down and all that stuff then he goes he walk around disneyland and you start hearing kids they're like no no i'm not going i don't want to and it just becomes like this whole other thing and the happiest place on earth sort of like left in the background and it's kind of funny because in in just a couple of the times that i've gone and it's been a while but uh you know i went a couple more times uh, it was I, I did see that and that was that was sort of something that was within my my purview there so yeah kind of funny see and i just float above above the clouds and i just miss it all right and it's probably happening alongside me and i have no idea i'm like that uh that meme with the dude sitting there in the, uh, the, the, the room's on fire yeah and he's like this is fine this is yeah. <laughs> that's my life in a nutshell oh that is pretty well i'm glad you got to experience that that's really cool uh we're getting into the work time now obviously uh you've been checking out university of hawaii football practice uh i've been out there as well a bunch of times and um what has been sort of the part of this 
uh, training camp that has stood out to you? They went through a walkthrough today, off limits to the media and the public. Uh, so we'll likely be back out there uh, tomorrow. Had a couple of guys that have been banged up, and so there's still a little bit of uncertainty as to uh, a couple of the dudes and, and sort of their status, but it doesn't seem to be anything too serious at the moment, at least uh, involving some of the guys that are expected at this point to be some uh, legit contributors. But uh, what has stood out to you here so far uh, as now you get back into work mode off of vacation? Yeah, it's just a work in progress. And obviously we, we knew that the defense uh, would come into camp and, and should probably have an advantage over the offense just based on the returning starters that you have back, the returning leaders. Um, when you look at the, who the captains of this team will be. I mean, a majority of them will be on the defensive side of the ball. And so that's pretty much what you saw. You saw a defense that um, looked comfortable in their own skin, comfortable in the playbook, and, and has been playing that way. The offense, it's every day it seems to get better and better. And and it's funny because I, I see Dan Morrison out there working with t- head coach Timmy Chang, working with the quarterbacks, and it just brings me back to the 2017 going to 2018 season when Nick Rolovich decided to go back to the run and shoot offense. And I remember that training camp and I remember us all watching them and, um, you know, thinking that like, okay, this, uh, this is better than last year. We see improvements, but this is going to take a while. This is not going to be a automatic run and shoot. Here we go. And we're all wrong. I mean, the they they went up to Colorado State in 2018, and that thing was running on all cylinders, and it was such an advantage um, of being able to run that kind of offense that are uh, option routes and being able to make decisions and, and take what the defense gives you and, and that group of guys that they had. And obviously, Cedric Bird, JoJo Ward, John Ursua played a big part in yeah. that. Um, but it worked for this offense. And so... I kind of have a hard time kind of drawing a line in the sand of saying like, okay, this is where this offense is because we've been through this before and it didn't look like they were going to be able to perform the way they did when they start playing against another defense. And so I almost feel like I have to allow those uh, things to happen as well. And before kind of sure. deciding like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work or this is going to work, you you almost just have to see them do it against someone else. 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. And I think Timmy Chang has sort of shared that sentiment. I mean, even when we asked him the other day, I, I, I think I, I played a, a piece of that sound as well a few days ago where, uh, you know, we asked him, you know, what's, what's sort of your timeline of expectation here uh, as far as when you want to see the offense starting to keep up with the defense because I mean I think it's very clear for anybody that has watched uh, even for a little bit of time uh, at any of these practices that the defense is, is pretty far ahead of the offense at this point not to be unexpected for sure especially with some of the veteranship on that side compared to what they're trying to do on offense uh, but he says hey look it's it's not on us you know we can have a hopeful timeline you know we have to try to implement what we can implement but it's kind of on the players and at some point you're just hoping that it'll just kind of click but we cannot predict necessarily when that's going to be uh, and so so, you know, we see some glimpses, right? Uh, what was it? Pofele Ashlock, uh, mm-hmm. who is a uh, freshman from uh, Trinity High School in Texas. Uh, he is looking kind of sharp. He had a really great practice uh, just the other day. Uh, and, in fact, caught, like, a long bomb uh, from Braden Shager. Shager was sort of rolling to his left and threw off balance an absolute seed uh, for a touchdown. And it was like, oh, okay. Uh, and that was a bit of an improvised uh, play, I think, because the, the pocket had sort of broken down and that kind of thing. Uh, but there are glimpses. 
glimpses. There are glimpses of this offense doing some pretty dynamic things, uh, and it seems like the coaching staff is really trying to test the soup, so to speak. Like, how far can we push this? They want to go over the top a lot, and it seems as though they're trying to see, all right, what are the limitations right now, and then we'll kind of work from there, almost like reverse engineering this thing to a degree. Yeah, and, and you know... Kowali Nishigai is going to play a big part. I like him a lot. In that slot back role, because that's what the run and shoot allows you to do, is that Kowali will have his opportunities. And say, last year, or even in previous years, you can't just keep going back to that. You can't keep just going back to what the defense gives you um, because you don't have your other receivers being able to adjust what they are doing because the defense is adjusting to Kowali. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the vision I see is I think Kowali's going to get a lot of looks early. I'm with you. A lot of looks early. And then what happens from there is that as the defense starts to adjust what they're trying to do to prevent Kowali from getting these first downs and just, you know, kind of matriculating their way up the field, they're going to have to do something different. And then that allows the outside receiver or the slot on the other side to say, okay, if you're doing that differently, then I'm going to run this different route from this same look that you already saw. And that's when the run and shoot truly starts to take shape. And I think, you know, Kowali, a guy from St. Louis, so he has an understanding of that kind of offensive philosophy, right? And I think what what is so good about him is he gets it. Like, he understands, hey, look, I do my thing. Whether or not the ball is coming to me, me doing my thing affects the play. It affects everybody else. It allows other guys to get open, particularly with what we are anticipating to be some of the attention that he's going to draw. Because I agree with you. I just like him so much. I think he is such a responsible route runner, a talented route runner. He's a guy who just finds ways to get open. He's reliable. And so I think the the good thing about him, and that's something that you would hope uh, also sort of um, spreads out into the rest of of the offensive players, is he just kind of gets it. Like he understands. You just got to do your thing even if it's not going to end up being you with the the glory moment you do your thing and it impacts everybody else and that's when this offense is going at full blast and that's when everybody gets to eat a little bit absolutely and and, you know guys are going to benefit from that Uh, someone like chucky hines who is going to be able to benefit being on the other side of Kowali and uh, Stephen McBride from Kansas. Those are the guys, you know, everyone's looking at Braden Shager, right? And, sure. Is that, hey, you're the quarterback. Everything relies on how well he does. But really, these receivers are going to be the ones that need to operate this system, right? And, and to, to make sure that this is a successful return to the run and shoot offense. And so far from practice, you see glimpses. Um, but with that being said, the defense is playing really well. You know, Verdell Edwards, uh, you know, Cam Stone hasn't been practicing here uh, as of late. Uh, He's been uh, given some rest for precautionary reasons. But then, you know, you got Jojo Forrest uh, on the other side of of Verdell and the safeties, Meki Pei and Peter Manuma have been awesome. They have stood out. They have been awesome throughout that entire camp. And Logan Taylor and Isaiah Tufanga at at the linebacker position bring that leadership. Uh, Logan Taylor is a guy that, I mean, just gets everyone around him riled up, uh, even in the offense. Um, So, yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, I think the biggest thing to, to, to jump out from this first two weeks of camp is that this is a football team, just top to bottom, that feels like they are better than they were a season ago. You know, you just, they, I mean, to, to not 
use this again, but they look comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you know, in the game of football, that goes so far. Yeah. As far as what you're able to accomplish, if you think that you can accomplish it, as opposed to a year ago when the talk was 53 new players to the roster, 19 starters lost uh, due to transfer and. And all this, I mean, obviously that puts a black cloud over you as far as, you know, if in order to do anything, you're going to have to pull off something miraculous. This is a group that feels like they are miraculous. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, that is that is a part of it. You have to believe in yourself. I, I think Thomas Sheffield, who was on the show yesterday, uh, was talking even from the through the prism of, of as his, you know, in his role as the special teams coach, saying, you know, it, it doesn't feel like we're starting from scratch like last year. We're, we're at least a few steps further down the pathway in when it comes to install, when it comes to what we're trying to implement, what we're teaching. And, and so you would hope that that uh, then leads to a little bit more of a product uh, as you get further down and along the way here in training camp but you just don't know it, it's hard to tell as you said until they're on the field with another team it's it's really kind of hard to gauge uh the the true level of play uh from either unit um it's 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 one of those things where you just kind of have to eyeball it and and right now it just seems like yeah the defense is is flying around uh, to their credit is it the offense that's struggling that's making the defense look so good is it the defense that's just that good thus making the offense look you know that much more you know further behind uh, if you will at this point uh, those are difficult questions to answer i think uh just at this stage of training camp beat the heat with fujitsu air conditioning systems fujitsu includes a special trifecta warranty that will have you saying i love my fujitsu rob demello kh went sports director is in the house when we come back oh we're gonna get into the very depressing and difficult conversation of what is gonna happen to college football here as more reports flying around of more Pac-12 teams even now smattering of potential ACC teams trying to realign to new conferences or at least reporting to uh, be considering those kinds of moves that's all coming up you're listening to Let's Talk Sports What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Coming to you on this Thursday. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is my guest co-host for the day. 808-296-1420 is Danamba. You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. All right, let's get into the very difficult conversation because it's not comfortable talking about this. You and I uh, both tend to be very nostalgic in nature, right? We like thinking about the good old days, right? And like our childhood, like Captain EO <laughs> Michael Jackson was welcomed on the premises at Disneyland, you know. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I look back on my childhood, University of Hawaii football games, like a packed house at Aloha Stadium, and it was like, you know, on any given year, uh, Hawaii could compete and be considered among the best of the best in college football, right? And you still have a little bit of that over the course of the time since, but it seems like the rift between the haves and the have-nots just continues to grow. And now with conference realignment and some of the news that's continuing to come out of the Pac-12 conference uh, and and sources uh, saying that uh, the Big 12 is looking into trying to add more teams from the Pac-12 
12, like Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Um, you have the Big Ten perhaps hunting for more Pac-12 programs, maybe looking to increase their conference membership to 18 teams or even 20 teams. Where does that leave the Pac-12? You know, you have the other geographically relevant conferences like the Mountain West, of which Hawaii is a football-only member, just kind of sitting there observing, seeing like what's going to be the fallout and the potential domino effect of all of this. And it just makes me feel kind of sad because I look back on the the good old days and I'm talking about the days where, yeah, there was a spectrum. And at one end, you had the big time programs, right? The Notre Dames, the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, all of that kind of stuff. The Florida States at that time. And then you had the other end of the spectrum was more what is considered now like the the lower echelon, the mid-majors, all that kind of thing. It didn't feel like the spectrum was so broad though. And it felt like there was a much greater likelihood at that time of of the teams that were at that lower end of the spectrum, just every now and then being able to compete, being able to knock off, being able to be considered part of this whole top level, top division football mechanism, right? I mean, you had BYU, for crying out loud, winning the natty. And it's like those kinds of things seem so much less possible and plausible now. And I think that's just being exacerbated by the fact that now we're looking at the potential implosion of the Pac-12 conference. Now, I believe the Pac-12 presidents are expected to meet again tomorrow to discuss this latest television deal that includes or involves Apple TV, which at the moment, at least according to reports, is a subscription-only type of mechanism. Uh, and I'm not sure just how viable that will be or how attractive that will be ultimately uh, f- to these school presidents to, to try to, to ride this thing out with the Pac-12. But uh, it just seems like the the potential fall from grace of the Pac-12 conference is imminent. How does that make you feel, Robbie? Yeah, it makes me feel horrible because, like you talked about, college football – Everything that made college football special is now kind of dissipating and, and, and the entire product is turning into like an NFL light, a not as good NFL, the way that this is all coming together. And it's just frustrating to watch it all play out over these decades. And the biggest reason why it happened and how it happened, like, yeah, you talked about greed and all that, but it's because there's no real governing body holding over the sport and saying like okay no these are the, the this is how it needs to be this is the structuring of it and and then just letting it play out i mean it's like if like in the nfl all of a sudden the cleveland browns left their conference or their yeah their conference and joined the afc or joined the nfc south just because it's like oh i like the you know the being with the saints and panthers and falcons and buccaneers i think that's a good fit for us and then you had one you know one conference with with less teams and one with more and then you know the afc east turns into this big team filled it's just ridiculous (laughs) like i can't believe that this is actually happening this and and yeah and it's interesting because with the college football playoff Starting in 2024-25. The expanded field, right? The expanded field. That – I thought that was going to end expansion because that gave conference champions a seat at the table. That gave a group of five team a seat at the table. That gave – you know, it added more teams the possibility of winning a a national championship. And then yet since the announcement of that happening – You've seen the opposite, which more and more of those teams are going to have less of an opportunity to get into the college football playoff 
which is pretty silly as well. So, I mean, I get it. It's all dollars. Um, I mean, I don't know if they care if they win a national championship or not, if they're making $60 million yeah. annually uh, because of a TV contract. But it just makes it for the fans. It makes the product just so much far less interesting to me, even though – on the surface, you want to say that, oh, 20 teams in the Big Ten and they're all super good. That should be super interesting. But in a way, it's not to me because, I mean, for lack of a better term, someone's going to have to suck, right? All, yeah. Of all those teams that, that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, like, okay, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen, right? Like You're, yeah, like, you're not going to dominate the, the, the conference correct. the way that you did the Big 12 and – it's just it's just really sad, man. Yeah, this might be a bit of a Bikram yoga level stretch here, but it kind of reminds me, at least in terms of the feeling I get from it, uh, it reminds me of the, the golfers that defected from the PGA to the Live Golf Series, where it was clearly a money grab, right? And, hey, look, more power to them because they got paid buku bucks, but they sort of entered this realm where it, took away from what we had previously known to be kind of the romance of the game of golf and like that thing that they do over there and live, you know, while some people really love it and they have some star power, it's just not the same. It just doesn't feel as good. And this sort of has a similar vibe. I'm not trying to say people aren't going to be caring about USC versus UCLA or Alabama versus LSU or Georgia or whatever it is. Obviously, the big time programs know their value and it's part of the reason why some of this realignment is occurring. Uh, but it just gives me that same sense because it just feels like, as you alluded to, it's so motivated by the money. It's not motivated uh, to the same degree it feels like based on competitive advantages or disadvantages, right? They're going to conferences, like you said, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, are they going to be kissing their chances at appearance in the college football playoff goodbye, at least for the foreseeable future, because it's going to be awfully hard for them. Whereas previously, they had a pathway in the Big 12 to get there, to play for a championship. And so it just feels like that's no longer the priority. Like, clearly, competitively speaking, they are going to be making things much more difficult for themselves if that is their ultimate aspiration, which leads you to then just assume uh, or speculate maybe that's no longer their main objective, right? It's it's all about the coin, and that's that's a bummer. What do you think about... I brought this up a little bit yesterday uh, when I had Billy Hull on the horn with me. Um, I, I keep kind of going back to this. Uh, June Jones a few years ago, this is a radical, radical idea, and, and I think there are, are reasons to kind of go, oh, wow, that's cool, and there are reasons to be like, are you out of your mind? Uh, but it's still, I think, very intriguing and compelling to discuss or think about, where he was saying, this is a few years ago now, where he just could see the writing on the wall, like, all right, as the, the, the distance between the haves and the have-nots in college football continues to grow, right, that chasm continues to deepen, uh, why don't the group of five teams in conferences just decide to break off, sort of be more proactive, break off, do their own thing. And he was suggesting, as extreme as it sounds, they should just move their season to the spring. And then they would have exclusivity as college football operation at that time of year, right? I mean, is there ever a time of year where people aren't 
pining for college football, right? Even if it is uh, a, a, a version of college football that is uh, more involving of the group of five teams and name brands and conferences. He says you can negotiate your own TV deal. Now, there are some logistical things, right? The NFL draft is in April, and I'm not sure how that dynamic would necessarily work out. But there's some intrigue there, as, as radical as it sounds. What how does that hit you? What are sort of the first things that, that you think of when, when you think back on, on what June was suggesting? Yeah, I mean, I do think that we're going to get to a point that the group of five need to come together. And, and my vision of it is just combining with the FCS. And, and whether you look at it as the group of five going down to the FCS or the FCS coming up to become group of five members, and, and you're just – and they already have a national championship tournament. And as this continues to grow to the where it, where it is, and you're going to have, you know, let's say three conferences, four conferences of 20 teams each that are like the Power Five conferences or Power Three or whatever you want to call it. When you get to that point, then what does that mean for everybody else? Where does that leave them? And I mean, that's kind of my thought: is that you know the Mountain West and the Conference USA and and all these the Big Sky and they all come together and then and they play for a national championship on their own because they're going to be they're going to get left out again like we saw years ago and then even with this expanded playoff at some point it's just not going to work anymore because all of these teams like we talked about that are joining these super conferences are going to be nowhere near the playoff picture because they're all in one conference fighting for <laughs> one spot in a couple of at large and you know so if you finish fourth in that conference fifth in that conference you're good as gone right and so, I mean, I kind of view that more as a, as an option as opposed to the spring because, like you said, with, you know, with the NFL draft, um, you know, the other thing is that if, if they're playing in spring, if you think that the poaching of group of five going – being pulled up to the power five is bad now, imagine what it's going to be like when someone's able to play a couple of games in the spring – and then spring ball for Alabama's starting up or whatever, and they're like, ooh, I like this guy. I like what he did here. And then all of a sudden, this guy's off the team because he's going to want to transfer over to a new program and be ready for the next fall. Like, you're going to have guys leaving in the middle of seasons, and and it, it, I just think that— I mean, that- it could go the other way, too, right? I mean, you could perceivably see guys that would be playing with a program during the fall and be like, this isn't for me, and there's a spring season that's just a couple months away. How about I do, like, a mid-semester transfer, and uh, I might be able to suit up for a team there. It could go both ways, but I, I see what you're saying. It, it is without a doubt a radical, radical oh, yeah, idea. Absolutely. And, and when when June uh, mentioned this, it, it became national news. No, it got remember, national headlines yeah. um, it, because it was so out there. Yeah. And yet, I think there's there's a reason why it got attention because you know there there is some very at least even even the most skeptical person could say okay there, there might be some validity to it because of how dire the situation is potentially getting in college football. Yeah, I wonder if the the number of crossover outdoor sports will become an issue uh, logistically. I mean, the University of Hawaii right now, because of the temporary stadium, would have to deal with it with baseball and football going on at the same time. There and are certainly logistical You know, you're going to have days where you have a men's basketball game, a baseball game, and a football game all on lower campus. How awesome would that be? I mean, it would be... <laughs> 
not for the community, I'll tell you what, and for traffic and, and parking and parking and all that. But I mean, and then you imagine how many teams yeah. have on-campus stadiums, arenas, baseball stadiums and all that that would have to um, somehow figure that out. I mean, part of the reason why you see certain sports happening at certain times of the year is for that sure. reason, right? It's why sure. even in the high school level, why you have a certain sport, a certain indoor sport in the fall and one in the spring and so that they're not crossing over. It, for logistic reasons and so but it's i mean hey if you're not thinking of ideas to keep yourself relevant then you're gonna die yeah. right i mean if you're not trying to do something so i mean i i'm not against june bringing that up or or even coming up with that idea because something does need to be done because as this continues to grow and the conference realignment continues to eat each other up then where does that leave a team like the university of hawaii heck where does it leave a team like oregon state and washington state yeah. where i can't fathom seeing uh any power five team ever drop down the group of five just because we've never seen it before right it's never happened and so i just kind of view like if these are the two leftover pac-12 teams well someone acc is going to scoop them up or or whoever else they're going to grab them just to bring them over but if that were to happen if they had to be relegated quote unquote to the mountain west conference that would be bananas yeah i mean if everything we're hearing from you know various reports uh, pan out to be true like uh, you know the big 10 not only adding usc and ucla but also adding oregon and washington and possibly uh, stanford and cal possibly stanford and cal and with what we're hearing about arizona arizona state and utah possibly to the big 12 like that would leave that would just leave washington state and um, oregon and state. oregon state as the only two Standing which, and which are the two smallest media markets in the Pac-12 conference? So I mean, it, it completely makes sense to what we're talking about is driving all of this. It's the TV money and the yeah. revenue and all that. And so Corvallis and Pullman aren't the ones that set that off and say like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a great addition to your conference." But I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, which just sort of uh, leads us back to the original point, which is just it's a bummer. It's a bummer to see something that at one time in our lifetimes yeah. just was was so much more inclusive and 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 so much more comprehensive and and wonderful and and romantic and just something that has been completely taken over by the almighty dollar and it has changed the dynamic and not all people are going to hate it there are some people probably listening to this going like shut up you two it's going to be awesome super yeah. conference football is going to be banging every single week uh and maybe there will be something to that but uh, i think just based on what we remember it to be certainly through the lens of university of Hawaii, Hawaii football, uh, it just kind of bums me out. Well, see, and that's the thing. Super Conference is awesome. It, it, you know, you almost look at uh, high school football in Hawaii. Yeah, they made a Super Conference, right, open division. But then they made Division One and Division Two, so that everyone's playing for something. Right now, you don't have that in college football. You just have these huge conferences and these Power Five teams, and then you're just com like completely ignoring yeah. everybody else. And, and I think that's the issue. Yeah. That's the issue. Oh, and I think it was the issue from day one. I mean, even just like the, the whole bowl system previously, prior to the BCS, prior to the college football playoff, uh, because that was the beauty of college sports, right? In every single other sport in college, everybody at the beginning of the year, at least in theory, is on the same starting line. Yeah. And everybody, at least in theory, has a pathway to win a championship. That has not been the case in college football for decades. Uh, and I think that's where it was flawed, philosophically speaking, to begin with, and what 
allowed for some of that stuff to infiltrate it and this is where we're at now this is kind of the result that we're seeing occur in real time and changing from day to day all right domino's pizza of hawaii proud sponsor of let's talk sports we appreciate their support for sure if you order online or via the app you can save up to 20 percent off on your order domino's pizza of hawaii always delivering aloha when we come back i got robbie d in the house we are gonna laugh at stephen a smith trying to pronounce isaiah kiner falefa you don't want to miss it we'll be back Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Robbie D, Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is also in the house. Uh, we like to follow the local brothers in the bigs, right? And Isaiah Kiner-Falefa of the Yankees is uh, one of those guys for sure who's been playing some good baseball the last couple of months. Like, he has completely flipped the narrative, wouldn't you say, uh, of what New York fans, very passionate, very opinionated fan base, right? Uh, what they have been sort of saying, the conversation around him, I think, has almost completely flipped over the last couple of months because he's been playing good baseball. Uh, and I think Stephen A. Smith, uh, who is a voice of all sports on ESPN, First Take, his, his own podcast, all of that stuff, he is a content creator uh, of perhaps the highest degree. Uh, but that all doesn't always mean that he is able to watch every sport or certainly every team of every sport. And so uh, this is just a funny clip. This is uh, on first take, and Stephen A., who who had to get in some kind of opinion about the Yankees, uh, he's talking about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, or Falefa. There's been a little bit of debate as to what the actual correct pronunciation is there. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, but he doesn't even get to that point. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen to him trying to say uh, Isaiah's name, and then the little the little pause, and then his hot take that comes at the very end. Here we go. This good. Falefa. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Kind of Falefa. Uh, kind of Falefa. Yeah. Falefa, right. I want him gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to run it back one more time. Run it back one more time. Go ahead, go ahead. This good. Uh, uh, Falifa. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Kind of Falifa. Kind of Falifa. Falifa, right. I want him gone. <laughs> And I think that was Mad Dog's voice. I think uh, this was. I, I think that was from yesterday, possibly, because uh, Mad Dog's usually uh, in in um, in the studio with him, and like he's over there, like mm-hmm, agreeing with him. Yeah. And it's just it's just clear, like you know, without trying to bash one of the the big cash cows of ESPN too much, like Stephen A. Like, why do you want him like, gone? Want like, him what gone. was that? What is that he all? He sounded about? like a like a Batman villain. Like, <laughs> I, I want, want him gone. gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that is perfect. Because it's just like, you know, he's he's over there. He's he's trying to, to catch this fly with chopsticks, right? And he's just having a trouble with the name and he can't quite do it. And then he finally gathers himself and he's like, all right, it's still my money shot moment. Like, this is still the moment where I get this show aggregated. Serious face, eyebrow raised. I want him gone. <laughs> That's just hilarious. What, what's your rea- reaction to that? Yeah, man? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's funny because... If this was months ago or even a year ago, then it's like it kind of like yeah, that was the that was the Yankee Twitter movement, right? Like people were frustrated with Isaiah. He came over. Everyone wanted Carlos Correa. He came instead, and obviously he didn't have the best of seasons last year. Didn't have the best start to this year. But like you talked about, he's completely turned that around. <laughs> and like since the end of April, he's hitting like 286, and he's been fantastic in a utility role he plays the infield when he needs to and the outfield when he needs to and he's been actually one of the bright spots 
of the New York Yankees. And then for him to say that now <laughs> at this time when like he's yeah, – IKF is probably like the most celebrated Yankee <laughs> in the Yankee fandom right now. It just—it's completely. I mean, like the Yankees are, are, you know, they're they're in some trouble, right? You got that whole Herman thing that's uh, now going to like keep him from playing the rest of the year. Aaron Judge still hobbling around, like they they've got some problems. Not saying they can't make a run, but it's so weird that his take is, all right, let's see, uh, the Yankees are going in the wrong direction. We need to find something to fix. How about the guy whose name I clearly don't know and can't pronounce? Like that's sort of the default there. It's like I don't know how to say his name. I want him gone. And the irony with this, and you brought this up, is the pronunciation of his name because <laughs> because Isaiah. Oh yeah, what is it, man? So I I did a story with Isaiah, right? And you've heard this, and and so asking him like, okay, what's the proper pronunciation of your name? It's it's a Samoan name, so it's Falefa, right? But people get it wrong all the time, so I don't really care. So I'm like, all right, dude, for once and for all. How do you want it said? How do you say your name? And he says, Folly Fall is the right way to say boom. the name. That's so, conclusive boom, as it gets. Right? So I go on with it, and I've been calling him that ever since. I, there's no going back because I, have, I ran a story with his voice telling me how to say his name. But then when people ask him on the record, how do you say your name? He's like, ah, it's Falefa. I don't know. So that's funny because uh, my experience, I've, I've uh, you know been at a couple of events that, that he's also been present, and he's I, I've you know had the MC. In fact, a couple of them, the Kurt Suzuki Family Foundation uh, fundraiser on Maui a couple of times, and and Isaiah showed up, and so I you know I have to do the introductions, and so I I have heard you pronounce it that way, and I've heard other people pronounce it the other way, and so I just was thinking the same thing, like let me just confirm and double check. <laughs> let me just the due diligence here. I walk up to him, I'm like, all right, Isaiah, what the what is the pronunciation? What would you like me to say? Is it Falefa or Falefa? He's like, Falefa. Falefa's good. Go with Falefa. I was like, all right, you sure? Yep. All right. That's great. Uh, <laughs> it happened again the next year. I was like, all right, we're good. And then, yeah. And then I see him on KHON talking about, no, it's Falefa. I was like, what's going on over here? You, but, that, that seems to happen with some athletes. It seems as though there, I remember Jennings Franciscovich was a setter for UH, right? Volleyball. And there was a little bit of a debate as to whether or not it was Franciscovic or Franciscovich. And we asked him before one of the matches and his response was, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm like, of course it matters. It's your last name. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And you know, it's funny as Isaiah talked about that people get it wrong so much throughout his entire life or people say it different ways that that he's almost just grown to be like, yeah, whatever's man. Like, and, and more people say Falefa, so I'm fine with that. And that's what the announcer is going to call me. That's what you know. So I'm fine with being that, right? But this is the right way to say it. And then so like, I just think about like your dad, right? And <laughs> and you know, one of my mentors, right? And he's like, if this is the right way yeah, to say yeah. it, you better say it this yeah. way, you know. Yeah. And so, but now you're the only one saying. But it now like I'm that. the only one saying it this way, <laughs> right? And so, uh, but it's funny though. He also talked about that. Uh, you know, his name Isaiah is spelled I S I. A-H, right? After Isaiah Thomas, a, a lot of other Isaiahs are spelled differently with the A before the I and all that. And so people growing up, they didn't know how to say his name either. They would call him Isia or, you know, and all these things. So he said that even all his life, people have been messing up his first name. So like he's almost at the point where like, whatever, call me whatever. And so I think maybe that has something to do with why his last name pronunciation doesn't really matter to him is because people messed up his first name for so much of his life as well. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's check in one more time, uh, Liz, one more time with how Stephen A. Uh, pronounces his name. This good. Uh, for me, for, uh, how do you pronounce his name? 
Kind of Falifa or Falifa? Fal- Fal- kind of Falifa. What do you think right. about him, Steve? Want him gone. <laughs> That is, that's terrific. All right, on that note, we'll take another break. Robbie D's in the house. When we come back, we'll get to our best and worst. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy along with Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. It is our home stretch. It is our last segment, and so we like to always end things with our best and worst. Robbie D., uh, what's your best here for the day? My best uh, goes back to yesterday morning at University of Hawaii football training camp when the legendary Jeff Seidner came down to practice awesome. and uh, talked to the team, and uh, what an absolute star he was with the Rainbow Warriors. And really, I mean, when I look back at my childhood, that was like the first dude I remember, right? I mean, he started from 1989, 90, 91. And so at that time, I'm seven, eight, nine years old. And that's when I'm really like retaining everything. 88 is the first season I remember. And then 89 is when like I know the players' names and all that. And and um, it was just great hearing him uh, relay his message of how special Hawaii is to him and was to him and how these guys can have the same experience that he had if you do things the right way. And um, it was just great to see him. Awesome guy. Played in the NFL and I I remember uh that upper deck uh card of Jeff Seidner his rookie card where they still used his college picture and I remember just thinking that was the coolest thing ever is that this NFL football card has a guy in the University of Hawaii uniform it was just uh, awesome, man. That that's my best. He was a bad dude. dude. Like if you have a chance to on YouTube or whatever, look up some old Jeff Seidner highlights. Like they will blow your mind. Like that dude was un. Real, one of the most talented runners uh, with the ball in his hands, right? And obviously, as a as a slot receiver, uh, just one of the most talented dudes that has ever worn that UH fo- uh, football uniform. And you know what's cool is watching him watch practice. At one point, he was watching Tylen Hines, and he doesn't know, you know, who some of the players are. And he turned over and looked at me, and he's like, "Who's number two? I like that guy." And I yeah. was like, "Dude, that's." That's the closest thing to you on this football team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it, similar role, too. Right. Running back, used as a slot back at times. Similar Return size. Man, similar size. Like, that's that's you, bro. And, yeah. and uh, he absolutely loved seeing what he saw out of Thailand. That's kind of what I'm digging about, uh, in large part, about this uh, coaching regime, too, is, like, they welcome those guys back. It was the first time he'd been back in two decades. And so, like, I just love that that's something that they have made a point of. Because it wasn't just Jeff Seidner who was back oh. there. Yes, it was Leonard Peters and Dane Peressa and a bunch of other dudes yeah, who were Nohi, Greg was awesome. Salas was there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a bunch of guys. Yeah, no, really cool. All right, uh, my best is Brooks Kepka. Uh, I guess he and his wife uh, had a baby. Crew Sims Kepka is the name, and this was just kind of a funny thing. Brooks Kepka has uh, not always come off as a guy uh, who's very self-deprecating, uh, but in this instance, it worked out very nicely. SI Golf, uh, their uh, Twitter account, uh, posted a picture of Brooks Kepka and the family and said, uh, the 2045 Masters champion, Cruz Sims Kepka, to which Brooks commented, he'll do something his dad couldn't because he hasn't won the Masters <laughs> yet. Uh, got into a little bit of a back and forth with Phil Mickelson about it. But I just thought, you know, that's cool. Uh, good on you, Brooks. I've kind of been critical of the dude. But a little self-deprecation always makes you a little more likable, right? Yep. 
Absolutely. All right, let's flip it over. What's your worst? You got a worst today, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I kind of worked this out organically this is uh, during the show, and I'm I'm turning a new leaf, Cano. I'm adding a I'm adding a worst, and so my worst is uh, I've been watching NFL training camp clips and training camps of some of the Power Five schools out there, and and uh, everyone seems to be practicing with these padded helmets, right? And um and I've learned that they are not allowed in games, and so therefore what. The football establishment is telling these players is that we have found a way to keep you as safe as possible from a head injury. You just wear this over your helmet. You don't have anything to worry about. It's going to protect you. But you can't wear them in games. And to me, that's just – I mean, there should be an option. And I get it that part of the biggest reason is it covers up the decal and it looks silly or whatever – but you have to allow the players, if they want to wear this in the game, to keep them as safe as possible and protect their heads, they have to be able to do it. Like, I why mean, couldn't so why? Tua wear that? Like, right, with exactly. everything that he went through last year, why, why couldn't he wear that? Just because it doesn't look cool? Is that yeah, sort of the thing? Yeah, and that's the thing. And it just makes no sense to me that you could find I – mean, that's like saying, like, oh, we found seatbelts <laughs> for your car. They keep you safe, but no, you can't wear them on the highway. No using them in the Indy 500 yeah, or at like, Daytona. It's just yeah. silly. Yeah, 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 no, that I, that makes sense. Uh, I like the fact that you got it worse. I like this new Rob. This is like an edgier Rob. A I need to shower. Rob DeMello. I need to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, my worst, I just, I, I have other worst, and, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the show, which is usually against the rules, but it's just too good. Liz, you got the sound, right? You got it still ready to go. How about Stephen A. Smith trying to say Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and then coming in with the hot take off the top ropes about how he wants him gone, even though it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever? This good. Falifa. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Kind of Falifa. Kind of Falifa. Falifa, right. I want him gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen A., the gift that keeps on giving. Join Cole Mouseoff on our YouTube channel or ESPNHonolulu.com. See the latest episode of CPB Athletes, where Cole sits down with UH quarterback Braden Shager with some grinds from Ruby Tuesday, brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. All right, big thanks once again to Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports for being in here. Uh, always appreciate you being in here, brother. Awesome. And uh, thanks to Liz Stacy for being the maestro uh, on the production board there. That was very fantastic stuff. I'm Kanoa Leahy. We'll see you next time on Let's Talk Sports. Have a good day.